Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back to Hurtel Radio. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Very happy to be joined with, and I'm going to do this carefully, make sure I got it right, buddy, because we were practicing it. Tough Coddle. Tough. Like Tough. See, I still missed it. Up. Dang yeah, no Tough Coddle. Uh, short notice, uh, Young Voices contributor. Uh, really interesting guy as I was looking up some of your stuff. How are you, sir? Appreciate your time today. Hey, doing all right. Just uh, early morning in Utah, so enjoying, enjoying the time. And you are a uh, world traveler, so you're uh, all kinds of crossed up because of London time and uh, your various world travels. Uh, let folks know a little bit about you and who you are uh, before we dig into the issue of the day, my friend. Yeah, so my name is Tove Cottle. I'm currently going to school in London studying development economics. I'm doing a master's out there. I finished a master's at Johns Hopkins in international affairs, but today I'm focusing more on domestic issues, so uh, kind of kind of changing pace, I guess, for a little bit. <laughs> Sounds like it. you picked a great week for it because uh, over the weekend and for the last uh, couple of days in the news media cycle, there has been an absolute collective freak out all the way around over the Build Back Better agenda. And especially since uh, Senator Joe Manchin came out and said he's not going to support it as currently written. Uh, I have my thoughts on it, but just for the reaction of it and kind of the finality of, well, this is done for this year and we're going to have to come back and restart the first of the year. Where are you at on this? Yeah, well, I, I don't think it was ever in the cards of happening this year. You know, session's about to end and it's a, it's a big bill. So, um, you know, I think even a week ago, Democrats did say they wanted to table it and go in favor of uh, voting rights, which I still think was too big of an issue to get in before the new year. But Joe Manchin's kind of given us the uh, the whiplash, I think, a little bit because yesterday he says he wasn't in. And then last night, rumors has it that he's back in. So, you know, I, I think it's something that's going to have to be done after um, after the new year. But he did give us something which was important, which is he's out on child tax credit. So he gave a revised version of Build Back Better that says he does not want the child tax credit involved. So for we, we've heard the term. People are familiar with it. They understand tax credit. You put child on the front, they kind of probably have a preconceived notion on. So just explain it to me real quick, like I'm five. This specific version of the child tax credit, it's obviously not a new idea, but what was different about this that made it such a sticking point in this legislation? Yeah, so like you said, it's been around for a while. It was limited to $167 per child before COVID. Um, during the COVID relief package under Biden, he expanded that to $300 per child and really opened up the amount of people eligible for the program. So you could get, I think, up to 15000 a year. So the policy was actually super effective. And I, I think it surprised a bunch of people, but it reduced child poverty in the United States by over 50%, which as far as a policy goes, this is about as good as you could ask for it to do. 
So what the goal was with this and what the goal is with tying it with Build Back Better was to basically make it a permanent program, make these changes permanent, not just part of the COVID relief. So that's that's what we're talking about. And that's what you're going to see and hear when you talk about child tax credit in the news now is this expanded version of the program. Now, to be fair to Joe Manchin, this is something he's been a little consistent with with a lot of the Build Back Better uh, criticism he has is he's saying, look, we're doing we're doing what we always do where we're going to fund this for 10 years and then there's no funding after that and we're going to have to come back. Uh, is that a legitimate criticism here? You're talking about needing to make this permanent. Is, is this just another example of something that would be probably pretty good policy and pretty popular policy on its own? But when you jam it into a large package like this, it kind of gets lost and you wind up with mass nations like this kind of working against it. Yeah. And I, I think there's something to be said about, you know, all of these being passed in, in one fell swoop. Um, I feel like with Joe Manchin specifically, he's targeting the one to three year programs. And for good reason, you know, he's saying, let's fund these programs that can be extremely long term and have a huge difference rather than have this argument in two to three years. Um, with the one exception being the child tax program and child tax credit. And no one's quite sure why. Um, there was a rumor coming out on the Huffington Post yesterday that he uh, he says that the the parents are going to use the the tax credit for drugs and other things like that. And, you know, that's anecdotal. In fact, we have really strong evidence that people are using it towards fruit security. People are using it towards rent utilities. So we're not quite sure why he's against the tax credit. But regardless, it can be passes its own bill. And Senator Mitt Romney is kind of leading the charge on doing a bipartisan version of the bill in which it would most likely be 49 Democrats and Mitt Romney that get it passed. And one of the things I kind of cautioned folks is like, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves with this build back better is dead thing. This is already in reconciliation. So what's going to happen when they come back in the spring is they're going to go through these piecemeal anyway. It, it's interesting that Romney's gotten involved. There's a few other high profile centers. This certainly seems like something that could be parsed out and passed and sent back to the House and might actually have a chance of coming out of reconciliation. Are we just getting way ahead of ourselves on especially the child tax credit portion of this that this, you know, just three, four weeks from now when Congress comes back and and reconvenes, we may be looking at a whole different thing? Yeah, for sure. Um, the reason that it's so expedient to do tile tax credit is because we are at risk of having about 3 million ch- children fall back into poverty. So that's why people want to get it done this December rather than push it off to a February or March. Um, the rest of the Build Back Better, you're right, that a lot of people feared it's, it's dead. And I, I don't think that's true at all. And I don't think, I think most Democrats think that's untrue as well. It can be piecemealed out and you can get a few Republicans to join, or, you know, as it was mentioned yesterday, Joe Manchin introduced his own Build Back Better revised version, which can be passed with 49 Democrats and him come come the new year. So it's it's far from dead. I think people are really scared and, you know, people have bias of the moment where they think the moment they're living is the most important and that they forget, you know, Obamacare took two years to pass and other, other major legislations like that weren't done in the first year. Yeah, talking to Toff Cottle from Young Voices, and uh, let's let's take it this way as well. While we're talking about still the the kind of the collective discourse just fell apart on itself. Why is it that people get so wrapped up on a specific? I know we do this with every election is the most you know influential of our lifetime. What is it this year? I kind of think, and you tell me if you disagree. I think the narrative on this was wrong from the go. You mentioned it in your opening. 
this is a 50-50 Senate. I don't think a lot of this had a chance to pass either which way. Why is it that people got so invested in it? Is it just the lack of other things getting done besides infrastructure? Is it the specific policy? What is it that you think people got so invested in this package? Ooh, that's a good question. For me, I think, you know, this was this is what was promised throughout the election, right? This was this was Joe Biden's slogan in the campaign. And now it's his now it's his marquee um, legislation. And unlike past presidents that had a, a motive, you know, you talk about Trump and the wall and, you know, these symbolic pieces, having a spending package isn't that exciting. Um, it's it's good. And I, I, I think it's I think it's good to, you know, fund these programs. But they, they hyped it up a lot and they did the marketing around it really well because it, in and of itself, it's not that exciting and not that marketable. So I think, I think the party itself built it up to be a lot bigger than it is because they, they needed to ride something and they needed that popularity. Um, you know, the, the calling card all year has been build back better, um, both the slogan and the, the legislation. So they built it up and you see even yesterday there were there were a few democrats that were just completely devastated that they weren't going to be able to get the the full package out um immediately um to which i say it'll happen next year um you're a policy guy so let me put it to you this way was a lot of this a slogan looking for some policy because we understand that these things are on two tracks. There's the sloganeering of it, and then there's stuff that's got to be written in black and white for the actual legislative. Those things sure seem to be moving at different speeds in this particular case. Uh, is that a fair criticism that this was heavy on slogan? And we, we're, we're all adults here. We understand big legislative package. This is stuff that sits on the shelf and they pull it out as opportunity arises. You know, that a lot of this is pre-written. Was that is that a fair criticism here that the sloganeering got in the way of the policy making here and they just way overshot for what the tactics on the ground called for? I'd say in a way, probably yes. Um, remember that the first uh, the first proposed legislation was over four trillion, and I think we're down to one point eight now. It'll probably get down to one point five, one point four by the end. Um, and so they've just been riding this wave of of, of big spending and. You're right that a lot of these a lot of these policies were were pre-written. You know, a lot of these climate things they had involved in the bill were were things that we had been planning for years, um, and packaging it all together and getting it out was was kind of the the point of of the the slogan and the point of the legislation. Um, so, at the end of the day, I think it's a lot of policies that are going to be passed that could be passed piecemeal. That could be passed one by one, but it is important important for Biden to have it passed all at once because that's what was promised and that's what he kind of built his campaign on and his promise on. Yeah, we're talking to Top Fikado. Uh Breaking down the Build Back Better and turning down the noise on all that, we're going to continue with him right after this on Hartel Radio. Back to Hertel Radio. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Thank you so much for taking the time. We're talking to Toff Cottle. Uh, we're breaking down and turning down the noise on the Build Back Better collective freakout. I've called it because we're on you know day two or three now of people losing their minds over this. Um, 
let, let's take the alternate approach for a second. I don't believe the story about, you know, Manchin and saying this is just going to go to drug dealers and stuff because I am a West Virginian. We don't usually use stereotypes like that against ourselves. There's a long running, uh, there's a long running feud between the more progressive left and Manchin, and they love to backbite each other. I suspect that's where some of that's coming from. But let's take the other side of it. Uh, small government conservatives, people on the right, they do have concerns about government spending. What's the pitch for the child tax credit? Why is this good governance? Why is this a good expenditure of government? Yeah. So like I, like I mentioned earlier, when it, after it was expanded, I think it was something that was almost a footnote on the, uh, the COVID relief plan because everyone was so concerned about stimulus checks. But, you know, almost doubling the amount of um, money that a family can get per child had a huge effect. And as far as policy goes and as far as, you know, we're, it's, as far as it being a guessing game, reducing child poverty by 50 percent in the United States is, is as good as you can ask a policy to be. So all we're all we're asking for is to codify these changes and basically keep these three to four million children out of poverty. Um, you know, we talk about we're a country of equal opportunity, but not equal outcome. This is as good as we can get it, I think, um, as far as providing that and giving kids the safety of having a stable household, having stable food security and things like that. So, you know, this is this is affecting red and blue states. This is affecting kids, you know. We, we have these arguments, you know, as far as conservatives go, that we need to be a country of self-starters and we need to be a country that, you know, works hard. But these are children. And at the end of the day, these are kids that can't really, you know, pull themselves up by their, their Velcro shoes. Um, they need the help and they need the support that the government gives. The United States is second to last in OECD spending or on family spending in the OECD. We have 20 percent of our kids that grow up in poverty. So reducing that down to 10%, you know, pretty simple ask to do. Um, so an amazing idea. Now, the counter argument to that is we've heard this before. Uh, we're 60 some years into the war on poverty and we still have plenty of poverty. Uh, what makes this difference? Is the circumstances on the ground different? Is how the government's doing it different? Uh, is the technology changing how we deal with this? What, what's the argument for folks to do the pushback and say, yeah, we want to help the kids, but we're always helping the kids. And that's always the excuse for a massive government program, yada, yada, yada. How do you answer those charges and push back on that? Yeah, um, very interesting. But I think I think one of the more recent developments in, in um, poverty reduction and all these studies, and it's the most ironic one of all, but giving people money reduces poverty. Um, and that's something that we haven't done for 60 years. Um, we did these ginormous government programs like SNAP that require tons of administration. They have tons of waste. They don't get to everybody in rural communities. Now we have the technology and I think we always have, but you know, we can deposit directly in people's bank accounts and it requires next to no administration. It requires a few people at the IRS, you know, pressing a button. Um, and it's immediate, it's, um, consistent and it's impactful. Um, so I think I think that's the change um, compared to these other programs. What is it that you think? Because uh, you know we do everything for the children, everything you know for the children. It's almost become its own meme, come to life now. Uh, but there is a lot of data out there about childhood development, children that grow up malnourished, children that grow up in poverty, the way that affects greater society. If, if you're going to argue that we can put money directly in the hands of these parents and the caregivers for these children directly, uh, what's kind of the force multiplier here that you're arguing for? Because we know what childhood uh, issues like poverty deal with 
them, how those extrapolate over time. We've got a lot of data on that now. If you're cutting that down by like 50%, if that stat holds up, this could be really game-changing stuff, yeah? Yeah. So I, I think something a lot of people worry about is, is the parents. And, you know, I've had, a you know, even Senator Joe Manchin was the one who said, you know, I think, I think these parents are using it to buy drugs. And I'm sure that's the case in one or two families. But at the end of the day, bad parents are bad parents. Um, the, what this is going to do and basically is going to make sure that no kid goes hungry. It's going to make sure that a lot of these kids are able to stay in households, even if it is with bad parents. You know, they're going to be able to have a stable place in which live um, a lot of studies show that kids that can grow up with with housing security have a lot better outcomes that's the entire reason that habitat for humanity exists you know they're building houses they're keeping families in, in stable places um, I think this is a bill that will pay for itself you know you talk about getting 10 percent of or another 10 percent of U.S kids into you know, high school diplomas into, into well-paying jobs, into not having these childhood traumas that um, really plague our society, you're going to make that back in tax revenue. Um, and that's what the government should do. The government should be investing in itself. The government should be investing in its future citizens. So I think, I think the policy is a win-win. Um, I'll say there is a campaign right now. It's at savethectc.org. Um, go sign the petition. We're going to be presenting it to a bunch of of representatives and senators around the United States. Um, like I said earlier, there's uh, Senator Romney has a has a proposed say the child tax credit plan, um, which he and 49 Democrats are most likely to pass as an independent thing. So I think it's a win win. It's not tied to Build Back Better. So if you're against that legislation, that's that's aside from the issue now. Is this one of those things that really ought to be a little more bipartisan, even if you don't think the child tax credit is the best thing in the world? This is at least a more productive conversation of, hey, how do we get help to kids? Can we do it through, you know, direct money to them instead of government programs? We can pare down. This seems like a much more productive uh, use of our time than some of the other things we have going, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that's exactly the point. That's why I keep saying win-win, right? It's a it's an effective policy, and it's something that if we can't pass it, it really does highlight the the dis, dysfunctionality of our government. Um, to conservatives' credit, and to the point, it's it's less government bureaucracy. It's way more effective spending. It's it's wasting a lot less taxpayer dollars. So there's the conservative pitch on it. The liberal pitch on it is, you know, it's still spending. It's spending on families, and it's something that we can really come together and say, hey, this is a really effective policy, and we should keep going on it. Uh, Toff Cottle, we sure appreciate your time today. Fascinating guy. Look him up, follow him up. Uh, some other time we'll get him on and find out how a nice young man like him wound up in Madagascar. I would love to hear <laughs> that story. Uh, let folks know where they can find you and what you have going on, my friends, so they can follow you. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at TC underscore elk. Um, you can follow my stuff and I also keep up with China quite a bit. So if you're interested in any China policy, um, you know, military strategy in the Pacific, South Pacific, uh, follow me and I'll, I'll keep the discourse going on that as well. Yeah, we'll definitely have you on for that because we're talking China a lot lately, especially with some of the new stuff. And I'm sure with the Olympics coming up, we'll have to do it even more because we're going to have to counter program a little bit of propaganda, I fear, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a propaganda machine out there. Yeah, we've seen this movie before. Tough coddle. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. Really appreciate it. Another one of those great young voices we get to work with. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.